Welcome back to another episode of the Checkerboard Chat. I'm Josh Lane, joined as always by Ethan Stone and Andrew Peters today. Riley, not with us today. Hope he's doing well. Sleeping in, I guess, after the big game. Um, where we are recording this Monday morning after the Super Bowl, biggest sporting event of the year. I think it was a pretty good night overall. I think from what I've seen and heard, kind of everybody agrees that it was just a good night, good game, everything. So just, you know, just to talk about the Super Bowl because we can. What are your thoughts on that, about, on, on an enjoyable kind of football? I would say the Coinbase commercial was best. I don't <laughs> That's know what, what you I guys thinking, think yeah. with, the, with the little... So simple, oh, yeah. but effective. Did yeah. you actually scan the barcode? My, yeah, my brother did. Yeah, I scanned it. He was scan having it? such a hard time. And no one in my family understood what was happening. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. I had like the little Windows startup noise, and I was like, let's let's see what's happening here. And <laughs> then I saw it, and I was like, okay, we're we're... Xing off of this and going to Twitter and seeing what they say about it. I was kind of hoping it would be like something better than Coinbase. So. I was too. I was hoping it would be like me getting rickrolled or something. Yeah. Like but as far as the actual game goes, man, it was awesome. Lived up to the expectations. You know, the NFL postseason has been really, uh, I guess, satisfying so far this season. It ended in a good way. A little abrupt, in my opinion. I would have liked to see Burrow mm-hmm. kind of go to the very end there, but mm-hmm. like, hey, it is what it is. Like, I can't ask for much more than that. Yeah, when it comes down pretty, to pretty it. that Aaron Donald. You know, long yeah. time ran, got mm-hmm. the, the, the game ceiling play there on fourth and one or whatever it was. Yeah, and you got like, I mean, you got the correct way to build a super team, I guess, if you're the Rams. Because right. you, got, you got Matt Stafford, a guy that comes from Detroit that has been on an awful team his whole life. You got OBJ, who people were kind of, you know, praying on his downfall, saying he's washed and stuff like that when... Mm-hmm. Still pretty, this is still pretty talented. This is this this is a bad night for Baker Mayfield. <laughs> bad night to be Baker Mayfield. But you know you got Aaron Donald. He's been with the team and he finally got his thing. Von Miller comes in, um, free agency, and he you know shines as as he usually does. Kind of open that lane up for Aaron Donald at the end. But you just got to hand it to him. I mean they were the best team when it comes down to it. The Rams mm-hmm. were just the best team and. I guess I'd give a shout-out to T. Higgins, Oak Ridge boy. Right. Would have been the MVP if the Bengals had won it, but, you know, best team won. Yeah, yeah. I think this was the best ex- – I don't know if you guys agree, but I think this was the best Super Bowl experience in a long time mm-hmm. from, like, the game, halftime show, commercials. It was just – it felt – I don't know. It felt really good. Um, it's it's nice not, not disliking either team, so you can sh- – you know, you don't really care the out- what the outcome is and – yeah, I agree. I, I wish Joe Burrow would have made a run there at the end. That kind of would have been the icing on the cake. But, yeah, great game, great experience. What was you guys' favorite Super Bowl of the past, like, recent while in your lifetime? Because that was one of the top ones for me, too. That was I, a good one. I'm, I liked the the Ravens 49ers one a while ago. That was a good one. Not sure that about my favorite. Out. Yeah, the one the power went out, that one was really memorable. And. I mean, I, my my favorite. Well, I'll, I'll go to you. What what do you think? I think I would say the Eagles, Eagles, uh, Patriots. That was a good one. That yeah. was a really good Just, one. The Eagles were on a big run. Nick Foles, obviously, both from mm-hmm. the Patriots. I would say the Broncos. Yeah, was, Pan- yeah. Broncos Panthers. Because mm-hmm. that was the, I think that was the last time or one of the first times I had had any kind of stake in a Super Bowl just because mm-hmm. of Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. obviously. So. And, you know, he was retiring and everything. That was just an awesome game. You know, I, I know the Bengals and Rams, as far as the game goes, I think I'll agree with you, Andrew. Like, just the atmosphere of the game was awesome. Mm-hmm. But, like, as far as the game goes, it was it was okay. Yeah. You know, it was like an, an 80 out of 100, I'd say. It was a good – it wasn't bad by any means. But 
It was still one of my favorite, you know, in the recent memory. I'd say my favorite that I remember in my lifetime was Arizona and Pittsburgh, 2009, 10, whenever that was. That was an awesome Super Bowl. You know, kind of going back and forth. You got Larry Fitzgerald. You got, you know, Big Ben coming down, um, drive to Randall L at the very end. You know, that's just, they kind of stick with you, I guess. And, you, mm-hmm. you know, Super Bowl is the biggest sports day of the year when it comes down to it. And it's just something you kind of remember, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Matt Stafford goes on that game-winning drive there at the end. I think everybody's going to remember that. And mm-hmm. Cooper Cup getting open like he did all year. How about, I mean, how about Cooper Cup, huh? Yeah. Maybe <laughs> the greatest, like, receiving year of all time. It's got to like, be up there. He said, I don't. I, I saw it. I, the graphic, I don't remember all of this stuff, but he said, I don't know how many records. Mm-hmm. I mean, he won the Triple Crown, like most catches in the postseason, all this stuff, Super Bowl MVP. And halfway through the game, yeah. you're like, hey, where's Cooper Cup? Yeah, because, yeah. and, you know, what happened to Cooper Cup is Odell Beckham got injured, and they, he got double teamed the entire time. He just got schemed out of the game, pretty much. And he still made the game-winning play mm-hmm. when it came down to it. He cooks Eli Apple, and, you know, <laughs> one-on-one, I'm not sure exactly what the Bengals were thinking there. Yeah. Like, let's let's get our guy that is known for being burnt toast in this situation <laughs> and put him on a guy having one of the best seasons of all time, genuinely. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. Teagan's going to thank Thank Eli Apple for not having the Super Bowl in this mm. So shout out, he shouted out Oak Ridge High School. Yeah, yeah, that, that was, was cool. cool. Before the game, so almost uh, fall with T Higgins. Almost fall. Yeah, that one hurts. <laughs> kind of like Trevor Lawrence. How many other guys can we name here? Yeah, Jalen Ramsey's from <laughs> Jalen Ramsey's from Nashville. I'm not you sure. An argument for Jamar Chase. Yeah, a lot of guys. Yeah, well, let's not get down into that rabbit hole too much. <laughs> Uh, we could be there for, yeah, right. <laughs> Talking about almost balls. Maybe, maybe we should sometime. But, uh, let's start with the the men's basketball team. Uh, they kept rolling. They were pushing P all week. They had good vibes around the team. Offense is clicking, uh, looking well. Although the week started off and we recorded the last episode, and then later that day was when the news broke that Olivier Conwall was out for the year, had that um, ankle injury. So that obviously was a big, big hurt on Tissy's front court. Rick Barnes went to Brandon Huntley Hatfield in the meantime. He started the last two games, started hot. He scored the first points in each game, and then that was it. Fell off from there. John Fulkerson had a nice night uh, against Vanderbilt. But Tennessee's still kind of looking for answers there in the front court, I would say. No one's really stepped up and been consistent all year. That's been outside of Conway, and he was coming around right before he went down. So I guess, Ethan, we'll start with you. What was your biggest takeaways from Tennessee's week? Yeah, it's, I'd say the Brendan Huntley Hatfield being the starter thing is really interesting because not only, like, was Barnes the one that wheeled him out there, it was players like Viscovi, like James, mm-hmm. coming up to him and saying, hey, this guy needs to be the starter. And, you know, you can rate his play however you want, but when it comes down to it, he started hot and – I don't care if he's playing four minutes. That's got to give you a little bit of a spark when your guy, you know, freshman dude's coming off the bench, scoring immediately and being like, hey, I'm not afraid when it comes to I guess down it's better it. than, like, two, turn- two, two turnovers to start the game. Yeah, so. you're not wrong. And, you know, it's it's just setting setting the game in the right direction, I feel like. And I don't know. To see... To see Huntley Hatfield get better, I guess, as it as it goes along, and let's be honest, he hasn't been great. Like it hasn't, he hasn't been fantastic in the starting role. He's not s- stepping up, I guess, for Olivia Conwell. He's not the new dude, but 
you got him, you got Jonas Idu, who's looked fair off yeah. the bench as well as of right now. I thought he was not going to be great at all, but he's out there like legitimately contributing in his minutes. Not very many of them, but he's contributing. And I guess it's just really showing how far Barnes can go. Like, hey, it's not over. The season's not over. They've won two in a row now without without one of their best front court presences. They've got they've got options they can turn to. Yeah, um, I think that at this point in the season, you can't be mad about Hunley Hatfield starting because, you know, it, this is a time where you're figuring things out, especially, you know, one of your best big men goes down. Um, you should look for answers, like like you said. And if Hunley Hatfield's the answer, we're going to find out in the next couple of games, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I think it's kind of comparable to the – the Lady Vols starting Tess Darby. You know, she doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily get a ton of minutes, but she comes in, does her job for a little bit, and then goes out and, you know, somebody else comes back in um, for her place. And I think that's kind of what Hunley Hatfield could be because, um, you know, Fulgerson can provide some spark off the bench. Um, you know, we don't know if he'll be back in the lineup, starting lineup anytime this season, but if he's not, he's, you know, a great bench presence to have, a great spark to have off the bench. Um, so, yeah, I think at this point in the season, you should try different things. Maybe not on Tuesday against Kentucky, but you may just want to try the best thing there. But, um, yeah, experiment a little bit, figure out what's going to work best in the postseason. Well, I, it's interesting you said that's the best, you know, talking about their best lineup and trying something different. When Tennessee's gone to their four-guard their four guard lineup, they've looked – their offense has been very good. When they're starting, I guess uh, – now I'm blanking now, but when they have, like – Rose at the five or someone, and they got four guards, and maybe James is there. Yeah, I mean you got Powell and Zakai, and who's come off the bench like that. I don't know. That lineup has been pretty good over the last week. I mean, now that Tennessee's front court has got some depth depth issues, we I don't know. We just talked about. Do you think that maybe Rick Barnes goes to that four guard lineup, or just uh, let's just keep trying out something in the front court? I mean, I think. Short term, you gotta go. You gotta go four guard because it's not even just the past couple of weeks. That's been all season. All season with James at the four and just Zakai Kennedy. You got Justin Powell. All the, fill in whoever you want. Victor Bailey, put him at the three. The the offense is just humming with guys like Kennedy Chandler, with guys like Zakai Ziegler running the show because James is just allowed to do whatever he wants to do. Pretty much, he doesn't have any specific role at the four because. He's, he doesn't have the height advantage anyway when it comes down, almost always. Mm-hmm. So when he's just allowed to kind of roam around and be as good as he is and, like, I guess unleashed as good as he can be, I mean, this team is borderline unstoppable on offense. They're mm-hmm. so good offensively. And then you put guys like Fulkerson and Euros on the floor at the same time, and it just it just sputters to a halt mm-hmm. because they know how to guard them better. Like, Folky, you know, you can say what you want about him, but he's kind of one-dimensional right now. He's... He, he only is successful at the moment when he's off the dribble. If you if you just throw him the ball in the post, they just don't give him an inch, and he can't do anything about it. And Euros is you know kind of the same way when it comes down to it. He's more of a five, so that's a little different. But Tennessee's offense has always worked better when you have Josiah James at the four running the show, and when you have Kennedy and Zakai, just let them do what they do offensively. And so moving forward, if you want to start seeing success at the end of the season, just keep running that as much as you can. Run that, you know, Barring foul trouble, just keep running that. But when you get in the postseason against a guy like Kofi Coburn, against Zach Eady in the postseason, you're going to have serious trouble. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that's why Barnes is still running those two 
forward to big lineups is because eventually they're going to need it. You're, like, small ball is not going to work against Purdue. It's just not. Mm-hmm. And you know, even if they don't have a great defense, small ball is not going to work against Illinois. It's just not. And and I think Barnes realizes that. He's like, hey, we're, we're in it for the long run right now. We've got to get some people going. Like, Jonas has got to get going. Brandon's got to get going. Folky's got to get back to shape because otherwise – you're just going to lose in the second round, mm-hmm. you know. I, even if even if you finish strong, I think it's interesting you mentioned foul trouble because even if they want to go to a four guard lineup, and that's something Rick Barnes wants to do, when Kenny Chandler and Santiago Gulovski we both had two fouls in the first half, well, kind of, you know, you can't do that. Of course, hand someone down to step up in the front court. So I don't know. That's something Vescovi's been doing all year. He's just playing aggressive in the first half. Could just maybe tone it back a little bit and realize, all right, maybe one steal or one potential steal is not as is not worth it right now this early in the game when I could be on my second foul and be on the bench for the rest of the first half and do the same thing in the second half too. And, you know, when Vanderbilt was on that big run, they're coming back, Vescovy and Chandler are on the bench. As soon as they come back in, Chandler, six straight points, there's a game. So, mm-hmm. I mean, foul trouble, that's been something they've – it's been a problem all year for Vescovy. That's something they're going to have to clean up, though, especially while the front court's – in as it is, and if this four-guard lineup is something that Barnes actually wants to go to. Yeah, I think this team, something different about this UT team compared to last, the last couple of years, I don't think there's one perfect lineup that you can just put in every game that's mm-hmm. going to do the same thing, you know? You might want to, if you're playing Kentucky, you've got an outstanding big man, you know, move to the couple of forwards, couple of uh, big guys in there, and then, you know, play a team like Arkansas or, uh, I don't know, Alabama, and you move back to that four-guard lineup. And I think Rick Barnes and, you know, the leaders on this team are just going to have to make adjustments as they go and, mm-hmm. you know, depending on who they play. Because that four-guard lineup provides a lot of offense, but you just kind of, you know, with any small ball lineup, you sacrifice a little bit on defense. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think this team will just have to make adjustments as they go and be okay with, with being flexible with the lineups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, especially like a team against Vanderbilt that's going to shine that four-guard mm-hmm. lineup because they just don't have a dominant big. Like Liam Robbins the other day, I'm sure he's a good, he's great at basketball, but Josiah was kind of cooking him the entire time. Mm-hmm. Folky was kind of cooking him the entire time. And, you know, I'll just go back to what I was saying earlier. Oscar Sheboy is not Liam Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar Sheboy is probably one of the best players in college basketball this season. Dominant rebounder. You know, James is a dominant rebounder too, but Sheboy's got like a three- or four-inch height advantage on him when it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. So you've got you got guys like Sheboy Sheboy coming up. I don't know. We're gonna see we're gonna see if if this is actually gonna work moving forward. Yeah, and I guess we'll get into Kentucky in a minute, but one interesting point, do you just run the four guard lineup against against Kentucky because Sheboy's gonna dominate no matter what? And <laughs> I mean, just let him dominate, you know, Josiah James and Juris Plavich and get some offense. It's honestly fair because, you know, we obviously, obviously do not know the team as well as Barnes does. But from an outside perspective, I would trust James on – I mean, this sounds ridiculous, but I would trust <laughs> James on Sheebway more than I would trust Folky or Eros yeah. right now. Oh, yeah. I'm 100% oh, yeah. serious. I mean, at, least to, at least to draw fouls. You know, he's not going to guard him, to be totally honest. Because, like I said earlier, he's he's a big man. Yeah, like, you know, he's, he's awkward. He's Oscar, Oscar Sheebway. He's going to beat anybody. I would trust James to just stand there and, and maybe – I don't know. Draw, draw a couple fouls. Draw, yeah, draw something because he's he's so smart. He's savvy enough. I feel like, and I, I've been saying it for a while. I don't want to say I'm right, but I'm right. James is the <laughs> best player on this team. I, I don't think it's close. And and people have been like, 
you know, saying, oh, he can't shoot the basketball. It's like, no, he can. Yeah. He just is in a slump right now. And he's coming out of it because he's scoring, like, 16 points a game or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't want this to just be the Ethan Stone, Josiah Jordan James fanfare. But when it comes down to it, he's the guy you got to build this team around right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw what happened a month ago when they tried Eros and John Fulkerson on Sheboy in Kentucky, that didn't work. It did not work. I mean, it's it it funny. We were just talking about Brandon Huntley Hatfield. He had the best game that day of any, you know, of anyone in Tennessee's front court, and now here he is. So Tennessee's kind of, kind of looking for answers there. Um, but since that game a month ago, they've only won seven straight in the SEC. I believe that was their last loss in the conference. So they they've gotten hot. I mean, can, what can you tell us a little bit about Kentucky, Ethan? Besides, she would obviously they're a good team. I know you said you think they're the national champions right now. Yeah, I do. I think I think Kentucky's. I'm not sure about the best team in the nation right now. I'd give that to probably Gonzaga, but they're the team that is most built to win a national championship. They got John Calipari, who does not lose in the postseason. I mean, he took you know eight seed Kentucky just a while ago all the way you know to the to the national championship game, and. You know, they've won, what is it, six straight. They have looked good while doing it. We've already mentioned Oscar Shibway, who's probably the best player in the country. They've got a catch-and-shoot guy in Kellen Grady. They've got Ty Ty Washington, who just kind of went down with an injury. I'm not sure what his status is right now, but regardless, fantastic player in Ty Ty Washington. He probably won't be playing against Tennessee, but my bet is he's going to be healthy to make a to make a Final Four run. They've just got all the pieces, and they they got really good freshmen. They've got experience. They've got the best player in the nation, and they've got a sixty percent knockdown shooter in Kellen Grady when he's in the corner. It feels like he doesn't miss when he's in the corner. I, I don't think he did against Tennessee. He might have went five for five. I don't know. I I'm I'm kind of spitballing here, but they're very good, yeah. and so to beat them, it's going to take a lot. Now Tennessee has won fourteen in a row at Thompson Bowling Arena, so you can't count because they're a different team. At, at TBA, so you can't count them out. They beat Arizona, who's another Final Four contender, but Kentucky's going to be hard. It's going to—I mean, let, let's let's just face it here. They're going to be really difficult, and you got to go into it with a game plan because, like you said earlier, Josh, you're not going to beat them with Fulkerson and Euros just kind of hoping to do what they couldn't do last time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting you bring up the Thompson Bowling Arena aspect of it because I believe that Tennessee is favored. It's like 56 percent or something. Mm-hmm. That's insane to me. I mm. I know Tennessee's great at home. I guess I'll I'll believe it when I see it. You know, but it, Kentucky's just that good to where I I I I doubt even Tennessee at home right now. But obviously, it's a big matchup. Nine p.m. prime time. I hate nine p.m. I hate That's nine p.m. Awful. tips. Abolish yeah. nine p.m. tips. But it's gonna be a huge game, obviously. And I think it might have been Rick Barnes the other night. I can't remember who exactly said it, but. I mean, the question basically, you remember what happened at Kentucky a month ago. Like, this this could should be a revenge game, but maybe it was Zakai. Zakai did Zakai. say something about it. Yeah, I think like, it's not a revenge game. We're just treating this any other It game. was definitely Zakai, yeah. Yeah. So is that the mindset they have to have? I mean, cause yeah. obviously it's a big game, but if you take it, you know, put too much pressure on it. Barnes has said all season about Zakai, actually. He mm-hmm. said he's got a short memory. And that's what the rest of Tennessee has to have. You got to come in and just be like, "Who who are these guys? We never played them before." And that that's that's really what you have to do. You have to just walk in there and say, "We're going to beat anybody in the nation right now." Mm-hmm. Kind of like Kentucky did last time at Rupp. They weren't losing that game to anybody in the nation. 
and much less Tennessee because they were just shooting so well. So that's what Tennessee's going to do. They're going to just be like, hey, we're not losing this game. We're going to shoot 80% from the field, and we're going to win. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I was going to say something. I mean, Kentucky, let, let's let's talk about playing in, in visiting arenas right now. They go to Kansas to Fog Allen, one of the hardest places to play in the nation, and just decimate them. They made them look like a high school team. And, you know, Kansas, they're they're a Final Four contender as well. So, so I mean, Kentucky, they're they're a wagon right now. And I don't think they're going to be scared about, about going in a place like Thompson Bowling if they're not scared about going to Fog Allen. Yeah, I think it's nice to romanticize the fact that teams play better at home. Mm. And Tennessee does play better at home. There's no doubt about that. But I think that helps you in a game where you're pretty evenly matched and it could go either way. I don't think this is a game like that. Mm-hmm. Kentucky... Absolutely. Yeah, Kentucky's not a team that's going to lose because a team plays a little bit better at home. Mm. I mean, when you're talking about a national championship contender versus maybe a five seed in the tournament, you know, that's not that's not a game that's going to fare one way because the crowd was loud in Tennessee's favor, you know. So, I don't know. I, I think I think it's fun to, to talk about Tennessee being good at home, and this, this win streak is fun, but I think it, you know, comes to an end in Kentucky, honestly. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, if, if you're thinking with that mindset, ask Kansas fans. Yeah. that's what they thought, too, and yeah. they got destroyed. <laughs> yeah, I would like to see. Thompson Bowling gets loud. There's it does. no doubt about that, but Kansas is, I think it's a little bit different than Thompson Bowling. Yeah, um, most definitely. I mean, that Arizona game, Josh, that was probably the loudest I've ever yeah. heard Thompson Bowling. Yeah. And I, I've only covered Tennessee this this season. I've been to a couple games, obviously. That's that's the loudest I've ever heard it, mm-hmm. is, is Tennessee when they beat Arizona. Uh, that Kennedy Chandler steal kind of at the very end when they fouled him, I was like, you know, it, it sounded like a train horn in my yeah. ear. It was it was insane. I see. I just I wasn't there for that game. I was sick. Terrible timing on my part. Really was. Um, uh, but I was gonna say, it, I thought that when Kennedy was on that run by himself, I think that might have been the loudest that I have heard. Obviously, I missed the biggest game of the year at Thompson Bowling, but when he scored six straight points there. Even against Vandy, it's not even a sold-out crowd. They were loving that. So yeah, I thought the same thing. Weirdly enough, when yeah. that happened, I was like, that that could fight with it because it was very loud. And and I mean, like we've said before, Thompson Bowling Arena, it's not exactly like you know as prestigious as like the Palestra or, or Fog Allen or anything like that. But it can get loud. It can get plenty loud. It's like the fourth largest venue in the nation, I'm mm-hmm. not, which is kind of insane to be honest, because Tennessee's not exactly <laughs> the uh, the. Uh, College basketball royalty, I guess, but but no, it can get loud. Yeah, so I'm I'm sure it'll be loud Tuesday night. Obviously, Tennessee, Kentucky, we're building it up. The players are not, or at least we'll, that that'll be the goal for them if they want to they want to win is not build them up. But we'll have again have coverage at that utwbeacon.com. Check that out. Um, I'm thinking about it. we've got a big paper coming out, spring sports paper. Mm-hmm. That'll be out Wednesday, so be sure to grab that. You know, from the orange bin whenever you see it on campus. Now, let's talk about the Lady Vols now. A week ago, they were reeling, had lost, what, three out of four, coming off a loss at Florida, a loss at UConn, not really close in either of those games. You know, now they're playing Missouri and Vanderbilt, two, you know, maybe, okay, not great teams, though, but they did what they needed to, took care of business, got two wins. I mean, that's really all you can ask for at this point after a, a, a stretch like that. So, Andrew, our women's basketball beat writer, what were your biggest takeaways from the Lady Vols this week? Yeah, I think that was those the wins last week were just something they kind of just needed. Um, you know, they've been searching for answers, obviously, since Keen Green went out, um, had a really tough week, um, and they kind of came home and had two comfortable wins. 
which I think is kind of all you could ask for from them at this point in the season. Um, you know, they made some adjustments, and uh, Ray Burrell had a great game. Jordan Horston seemed to be back to her normal self. Um, it just looks like more of the, the, the Lady Ball team that we're kind of used to seeing. Um, so I think those wins were much needed at this point in the season. Um, and then heading into Alabama this week, I think that will kind of be the test for if they're truly kind of back to the point they were before, you know, Keen Green went out. Um, and then obviously you've got South Carolina on Sunday, which probably is a loss. But, you know, um, the wins were good. Uh, you can't really say much other than that. It wasn't, um, what am I, what am I trying to say? It wasn't like, neither of them were spectacular blowouts, but they were comfortable wins. Um, and yeah, they did what they needed to do. You, I think if you're Kelly Harper, all, the, all you can ask for from your team is just do it again against Alabama and then try to hang in there against South Carolina. Yeah. I, I mean, I saw, a, I was watching the women's game yesterday, gave them South Carolina updates and they were up Twenty-five yeah. points, you know, in the fifth quarter and at mm-hmm. halftime. I mean, there. I don't know that. Uh, we'll talk about South Carolina a little bit later in that in that game, but that's gonna be a challenge for them. But um, I do want to talk a little bit more about Tamara Key. We've been giving her a hard time, but frankly, she's kind of earned it over the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Games really step back in production, not getting many blocks. Although, well, against what was this Missouri seven blocks? Where's she here? But again, no blocks yeah. against Vandy yesterday, so kind of still kind of inconsistent, not scoring much. Is it is just a, a game plan by by the opponents to kind of work around her, or again the mental thing that we were talking about last week? I, I think it's still that mental thing because you know yesterday Vandy they didn't have anybody really her size that could compete with her. Um, she just she's getting some touches, she's not finishing. Um, you know the offensive production isn't really there. I will say Kelly Harper. Uh, praised her yesterday just for even if she's not getting that offensive production she's still just a force down there and you know teams have to double team her um, and you know that that creates looks. she actually had some some really good passes yesterday I will say um, I, don't, I don't know how many assists she ended up with but um, she had some really good looks yesterday mm-hmm. um, so I think if it, you just got to get over that mental block um, a player that's as good as she is um, and as experienced as she is she can't let something as you know, a, a tweaked ankle a few weeks ago slower down this much. Um, and she's got to be more aggressive. She's not going for shots as, as much as she was, you know, when she had that 10-block game against Texas. So um, you don't you don't count the season out for Tamari Key. She's obviously a great player and is capable of getting back to that. Um, she, I think it's just she's got to get over that mental hurdle at this mm-hmm. point. Did she so she hurt her ankle a couple weeks ago? Is that right? Yeah, it was. I can't remember what which game it was. Maybe three weeks ago. Um, it might have been Auburn actually, but yeah, she went down with a hurt ankle. Missed, I believe. I believe she missed one game, and um, you know she hasn't shown any sign of it hurting recently. Okay. Just you know, kind of looking a little bit slow, not chasing down shots like she like she normally would. So. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what about Ray Burrell? What have you seen from her over the last week? It looks like still not starting, but mm-hmm. coming off the bench, scoring double figures both times, she kind of getting back to form. Yeah, I think she she's was a little year ago. I think she's definitely getting back to her to her you know true form and the offensive player we've seen her be. Um, I think at this point, you know, she's looks like she could be a starting player and has been at at some points in the season, but 
I think Kelly Harper really likes her coming off the bench and mm-hmm. bringing in that spark. Um, I think her teammates do too. Um, so, you know, when Jordan Horston starts to slow down, maybe halfway through the first quarter, you can bring in Ray Burrell and get some, some easy offense going, kind of like, you know, maybe as a Kai Ziegler right. or somebody on the men's team. Um, and Sarah Puckett as well. Um, we can mention her in that category of players that can come off the bench and bring some spark. But, um, you know, it's, you think it's got to be tough for Ray Burrell being one of the best players on the team in the SEC even and coming off the bench. But she's she's really embracing that role a lot. Um, I think that says a lot about uh, her as a player and, you know, her as a leader. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good position for her to be in right now. Yeah. I mean, if it, it's it's working. So I guess that's what the, that was the thing early in the year when they were on that streak. Well, they're winning, so no mm-hmm. need to start or no need to rush her. Um, this week, Lady Vols gone on the road twice, as we mentioned. First Alabama, you know, that's a team that they should handle, but it'll, it might be a test, you know, mm-hmm. on the road. But they should be favored there. And then, of course, South Carolina, number one team in the country. That would be a big game next Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I might be forgetting a game, but the Lady Vols have kind of struggled this year in the big games, right? They didn't beat Stanford. Mm-hmm. They didn't beat UConn. Maybe, I guess Texas was maybe a big win for yeah. them. Um, I, I don't remember. Can't think of any other. He's off the top of my head right now, but I mean, South Carolina is going to be by far their hardest game of the year, the most challenging one. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did the Lady Vols need to do to have any sort of chance just to hang in there against South Carolina? I mean, they beat this team last year at home, mm-hmm. so but and that was a year ago. So yeah, I will say they they had some good wins um, early in the season against uh, South Florida, who was ranked at the time. I'm not sure if they still are, and then Georgia more recently. But, um, yeah, Alabama, just to touch on that real quick, anytime you go on the road in the SEC, men's or women's, it's, it's going to be a toss-up. Mm-hmm. Um, they should win that game, um, it, but it's not a guarantee. So you can't, you can't let South Carolina, looking forward to South Carolina, right. get in the way of that game. But, yeah, they go to Alabama on the road. Uh, if you win that game, that's a huge confidence booster. And then, obviously, head into South Carolina. Um, I think the game plan here... You've got to get the offense going through Tamari Key um, and Jordan Horston. You know, we talked about uh, that mental block that Tamari Key is dealing with right now. I think you you can't really have a, a so-so game from her. You've got to have 100% from her um, if you want any kind of chance against South Carolina. Uh, Horston's got to be on. We've seen her, you know, kind of have some some dicey games. Jordan Walk, pretty much for this game, every player has to be on their best game. Um, and, you know, especially... Horston, Walker, Key, and Burrell. Um, those are just your leaders on offense and on defense, and they've just got to have a great game. And then you've got to have players like Brooklyn Miles, Sarah Puckett, you know, these players who aren't necessarily going to have 15, 16 points, but just players that can contribute a lot on offense and on defense. Um, this is the best team in the country. There's no doubt about that. Um, your team's been kind of dicey kind of iffy recently and you've just got to you've got to be 100% locked into South Carolina if you want any kind of shot mm-hmm. I like that you brought up Tamari Key because South Carolina has Aaliyah Boston mm-hmm. at, at, at post 6'5 probably the best player in college basketball in women's basketball this year mm-hmm. I mean I guess Tamari Key is their only answer would be Lady Ball's only only shot there and she's been struggling for the last month, maybe coming around a little bit this past week, but mm. if if they will ha- have any chance of stopping Boston, it's Tamari Key, right? Yeah, absolutely. And she's had some she's had some really tough matchups. Um, I 
think specifically about Texas, te- the Texas game, um, but nothing like Aaliyah Boston. You know, she is just a dominant player, um, and I think the, the the best you can hope to do is slow her down. Um, and if there's one player in the SEC and maybe the country that can do that, it's Tamari Key. Um, so yeah, that just goes back to she's really got to be on her game and just get over that mental block and treat this like she would any other matchup and and you know get blocker shots, deny her at the rim. So. Mm-hmm. Well, looking ahead at their schedule, the the Lady Balls after South Carolina, they have Mississippi State, and LSU at home, and then it's the SEC tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they're on the they're on the home stretch here. So, I mean, you think they could win three out of four games? That would be the, the probably the, obviously winning all four would be the best, but, but three out of four is probably the most realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, all right, get let's get let's get it going before the SEC tournament. So where where do you think the Lady Balls? Stand right now that they're about two weeks away from the tournament. Yeah, I think you're looking at maybe your hardest stretch of the season coming up. Um, Mississippi State is a decent team. LSU is is hot right now. Mm-hmm. They're hot at the right time. Um, so yeah, like you said, hope you hope to win three or four. Maybe you win two or four. But um, I think you spend these next couple of weeks just figuring out because you know they're still they're still kind of figuring out what team they're going to be without Key and Green. Um, they're uh, five-year senior leader um, but I think you spend the next couple of weeks just you know fine-tuning every last little detail before the postseason um, the SC tournament is going to be tough um, and you know you just can't overlook any of these games I guess um, and you treat them all like they're a championship and you I don't know you you got to come in and start playing your best basketball now because after this there's no there's no time to, to readjust, kind mm-hmm. of. It's, mm-hmm. Every team's going to be coming at you with their best. So Yeah, meaningful games all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, we'll have full coverage of that. Big week for Lady Balls at etdailybeacon.com. Um, on our way out, I do want to talk about Tennessee's baseball team. Uh, their season is starting up later this week. Friday, they uh, host Georgia Southern for three games. Um Baseball team, obviously, College World Series run last year, first time since 2005. They had a great team, but they lost a lot of the, they lost a lot of those players last year. MLB draft and you know, eligibility, graduation, whatever. Their whole starting infield is basically gone. They've got Luke Lipschitz, and that's about it. Evan Russell moved to catcher, so we'll see if that that's kind of a patchwork, in my opinion. We'll see how how it turns out. Vitello's talk, Tony Vitello's talked some good things about Evan Russell, the catcher. Uh, it remains to be seen if it's going to translate in the game, but it was kind of this year pitching is kind of going to leap the Vols. You know, their offense has got questions, but they got a good pitching rotation. Well, that's taken a hit the last couple of weeks. Blade Tidwell, who is preseason All-American, perfect game All-American, college baseball, newspaper All-American. We can go down the list. He's out indefinitely with shoulder soreness. Um, Tony Vitello does expect him to be back at some point this season was kind of, well, when's that going to happen? You know, it could be midway through the year by the time <clears throat> he comes back and gets ramped up and then add Seth Howard's in transfer over. He's supposed to be a big arm behind Taylor. Well, now he's out to refractor his arm. So just a lot of questions around the balls right now and specifically, you know, their pitching staff and what's it going to look like right now. Yeah, who do, who do you think they'd turn to? I mean, who's who's the guy? Well, they, they picked up... Uh, Chase Dollander, he was from uh, Georgia Southern, and so 
if finally like, he's gonna start his season. Yeah. Um so we we saw him last year when the Vols are at Georgia Southern. Again, he's only a sophomore, so he's kind of inexperienced. You know, just had the one year. But he's kind of their most bona fide starter right now. I would say just, you know, by necessity he's gonna start. Obviously Camden Sewell is another guy. He was mostly out of the bullpen last year, but he made some starts. I think about the SEC tournament game, I believe it was against Florida, had a great game there. Just that was at the, the point in the tournament. Well, the balls are out of options. We pitched everybody else. Cameron, you get the ball and just go do what you can. I think he proved that last year through, you know, all those kind of spot starts and little long relief outings. So he'll probably be a guy um, the balls turn to too. But I do think it was interesting the other day when Tony Vitello met with the media. He said sometimes we might be looking for nine outs more than we are from nine innings out of a starter. So the balls, they might, you know, use an opener. Just, you know, some guy have three innings, maybe two or three innings. If you can get it over just a couple of runs and get it to the bullpen, that's fine because Tennessee's bullpen is definitely definitely more experienced now at this point than their starters for sure. What do you what do you think we're gonna look like just hitting wise? Because I know most of the outfield is coming back. You know, you got Jordan back, you got you got Gilbert coming back, but I mean who's gonna be the guy that can I don't know, really really carry it for the infield, I guess. So I mean it's it's like you said earlier, it's a completely new rotation, completely new luck. Right, lineups. right. I do think the outfield will be fine. As you mentioned, Jordan Beck, Drew Gilbert, you know, they'll be rock steady in the outfield all year. I think Kyle Booker is probably the most likely guy to fill in and maybe left field. Work uh, from where Evan Russell moved. I believe he's a sophomore. He hasn't played much. You know, just had a kind of a small role off the bench last year. Yeah, sophomore. But you know, he's he's good prospect. He'll be in there. I think he'll step up and make that leap um, in the outfield this year. But as far as the infield concerned, I'm looking to their you know their one returning starter that's in the same position, and that's Luke Lipsius at first base. He was so consistent last year. He started sixty plus games. You know, just a, a solid power power bat is going to get on base a lot. You know, takes his walks and grinds out at bats. So you you know you're looking for him. I think six year senior too. Like he's the one returning guy. He's going to have to step up and and lead the infield. That's kind of young and still has their questions too. Um, but again, all that's this weekend. Georgia Southern. We'll have coverage of that UT Daily Beacon. We'll have plenty of baseball stories too, and that's that uh, spring paper I mentioned earlier. So plug that again, pick it up, read it. It'll be good. We got a lot of, we got a lot of coverage for all the sports, uh, men's and women's tennis, softball. They picked up a couple wins over the weekend too at a tournament. Yeah. They went undefeated. So they're looking good right now. So a lot's happening here, spring sports at Tennessee. So be sure to check that out. You guys have anything else before we go? I think we good. I think it'd be fun to touch on the softball team just a little bit. I don't yeah. know a huge amount about them, but I don't, I'm, I'm gonna be honest, I don't know much. So. But I mean, you know, they they got some returning people. They got Amanda Ayala. They got Ashley Rogers, obviously um, one of the better pitchers in in the nation when mm-hmm. it comes down to it. And you know, we got great writers on that this this season, so that'll be a lot of fun to to keep in touch with how uh, Karen Weekly is going to be able to do it solo, I guess, without yeah, Ralph. That's but, big. Yeah, and I'll I'll say I. As a softball beat writer last year, this was a, a really good team last year, just maybe a little inexperienced. So yeah. I think this will be a fun year for them. Um, they've got, yeah, like you said, they've got a lot of great players. They've got a lot of, last year they had a lot of freshmen and sophomores that were stepping up. So mm-hmm. it'll be a, it'll be a fun year and to kind of watch how, watch how the season unfolds. Um, they had a decent 
or started to have a decent postseason run last year. So yeah, it's it's really the opposite of the baseball team, oddly enough, yeah. because that they were really really talented and they just kind of fell short. Mm-hmm. And you know the baseball team obviously they were really talented and they just kept going, but they've also lost a lot of, lost a lot of people, like like you said. I mean, like we've gone over, but softball teams kept just about everybody, and they they've still got that talent. They just kind of like you said, Andrew, they got to get that experience right. They got to you know just have the have the experience I guess to be able to just carry it through to beat the really good teams because they kind of struggled at the end versus Alabama last year I know they had a chance mm-hmm. to win the SEC you know against Alabama and they couldn't quite do it mm-hmm. and then they lost in the first round of the of the NCAA tournament with a really really good team I and mean, when you've got a pitcher like Ashley Rogers who's just throwing heat back to back to back mm-hmm. I mean she never wavered in that either. That was that was that was what was so incredible about watching her, and it'll be really interesting to see if she'll be able to carry that over to this mm-hmm. season. But big things coming for the softball team. Big things coming for spring sports just overall. Yeah, I know. I know one name that stuck out for me softball over the weekend was Erin Edmondson. She mm-hmm. was a transfer pitcher from Texas Tech. Her first start of the year, she was great. Six scoreless innings, uh, ten strikeouts. So. She'll compliment somebody. I don't know, again, I'm not as familiar with softball, but I think last year's kind of Rogers, and that was it mm-hmm. on the mound. So it'll be nice for Tennessee to have, you know, at least two really good options. No, that, that was a major problem last mm-hmm. season. Um, I, I I believe uh, her two relievers were freshmen. Yeah, yeah. That that was that was the entire thing. Is when Ashley Rogers wasn't on the mound, mm-hmm. what do you do? Yeah. And you know, she was she was their ace by the definition of the word because I can't I'm I'm blanking on the names right now, but they they were good. There's they're I'm not saying they're bad by any means, but when it came down to it, they just could not match the production and they couldn't really even come close. So mm-hmm. whenever she wasn't on the mound, you're like they could lose to anybody, they could beat anybody. It just kinda was a I guess was a thing of getting their bats hot at the right time. And if they mm-hmm. weren't, they were gonna lose. It was as simple as mm-hmm. that. They could maybe win some rock fights with Rogers on the mound, but they didn't have quite enough hitting to be able to overcome the pitching walls when Rodgers was yeah. out there. Again, we'll have full coverage of everything, utdailybeacon.com, so be sure to check it out there. One last plug for our spring sports preview, or not preview. Kind of preview. For I guess some. look yeah, ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so check that out. But that's going to do it for this episode, post-Super Bowl. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. My <laughs> Man, I'm not good at I'm no not good at the outros. Yeah, no more it's just like it's just like the football game. The ending was a little short, but it's hey. okay. We got we got through it. Hey, there you go. Let's <laughs> end on that. Then I'll see you next time. There we go. Yeah.